Hey everybody, this is Phil Town. And this is Danielle Town. And I'm Chordelaine because we're here for our really and this is the cool invested podcast. podcast. The Invested Podcast. Where we discuss investing. Warren Buffett style, Charlie Munger style. We talk about value investing. We talk about, can you really do it? Is this crazy for an individual investor to think you're going to go out there and actually smoke those people on Wall Street? And the answer is, yeah, you can smoke them. And we're going to show you how. How about that for Oh, that was a really good one. Oh, yeah, we're going right there. Right I like for that a lot. Feeling really So macho. today, Dad, we're sitting in the beautiful HarperCollins studios. Everybody listening out there on the podcast, we are so thrilled to be here. And we are here because our book, Invested, came out today, March 27th, and it's out in bookstores. It's amazing. Which is really exciting. I'm not kidding you. This was a big thrill because I got to go to the Barnes & Noble bookstore, which was the first bookstore, the one on Fifth Avenue, that I saw my book actually on the shelf, which is where you sort of realize, Rule oh, number one. Rule number your one. Your first book. 12 years ago. 12 years ago. Almost to the day. It was the last week in March. Almost to the day. and. Here's the thrill, is I get to go back in and see my daughter book that I wrote with her on the bookshelf, our book. We went to the same bookstore on Fifth Avenue just because we both remembered it. And we walked in and we were looking for the book and we found this amazing business book section with, really, it was incredible, like a whole shelf of Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett books and the intelligent investor was was there. Awesome, we were so excited. We were looking at it and our book wasn't there. It wasn't there. So we asked this lady at the front of Barnes & Noble, look, we're the authors of a book that just came out today. We're wondering where it is in your bookstore. First of all, she was not impressed. No, No. not at all. She's back there to customer service. (laughs) (laughs) I thought at least the assistant manager would come out, but no. Yeah, no, they didn't care. Back to customer service. We wait for the phone call to end. And then, hey, we're the author of this book. It just came out. And she said, huh. Haven't heard of it. Let me look it up. So she starts looking it up and she turns to the computer. Is that you? And there's a picture of the book like there. So yeah, yeah that everyone was us. watching here just and listening just found their minds blown that somebody hadn't heard of our book because they've oh, been hearing about it for months. I know. But she is now obviously like one of the fans. And of now the book. she sees she the book and she it. realizes that we're a big deal. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. she said, Oh my gosh, we have a bunch of copies in stock. But we're short-staffed, and they just haven't gotten onto the shelf yet. Hold on. And she was really nice. And she said, hold on, and I'll go get it for you. Well, I was texting (laughs) HarperCollins. Barnes & Noble didn't put it on the shelf today like a little whiner. So she showed up Mm. with this big stack of books and put them right on the shelf next to the Charlie Munger box. And it was so cool. So we have pictures. Then, then of course, there were like five people standing around trying to read business books and being serious. And we were like, excuse me, excuse me. We have to take a selfie Can you please move out of the way while we selfie this? So then we took some selfies. and It was awesome, though. Seriously, here's Invested on one side. Here's Charlie Munger's book on the other side. Oh, Here's the intelligent investor on the other side. It's like ridiculous. It's like ridiculously it awesome. I mean, I, 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 I can't, I I'm level. having a really hard time with it. I, it's very exciting. Show everyone your face when you're really overwhelmed. No, because you'll just make fun of me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the people listening can't see my face. This is our podcast. I didn't know you were overwhelmed again. I thought you were just standing there. For everyone listening on our podcast, my dad has a really hard time remembering that there's a difference between Facebook and our podcast. Yeah, I don't have any idea. They're they're both 
together. They're both mind. together. They're both together. <laughs> yeah. But I'm going to put up the uh, the photos that we took oh, good. because that'll be really cool. I was reaching for my phone them. there, and then I realized I turned it off. So. <laughs> thought maybe I could just show you guys. <laughs> maybe not. Yeah. But that was that this was is, pretty uh, exciting. Matt, the moderator here. Hi. Oh, so Matt. we have a guest on our podcast today, which yeah. is our incredible editor, Matt Harper, and he's going to be reading some Facebook questions. So you're right, Dad. It's all mixed up. So I think, actually, everyone should give Matt a big round of applause. I'll give Matt a round of applause. Okay, round of applause. Yay. Can, can we get a little help from the crew here? A little round of applause. Very, there we go. Because this guy, if, all right, first let's understand how the publishing industry works. Okay. Please. Okay. So in this publishing is my industry. This is by my, you. This is how it goes, right? <laughs> so you, you're trying to peddle your idea out there. But the publishers don't care. They could care less. People like Matt, he doesn't care. He's like, you got some idea? I don't care. I don't even know you. Okay. So he's not going to talk to you. So the first thing that has to happen is you have to find an agent. I feel like Matt's really nice. And Matt cares. is really nice, but I, he has I'm a life. I'm coming off really callous <laughs> Yeah, here, so. No, really you are. have a life. He has a family. He has a life to live. It's like five million people want to write a book. So the way it works is you need an agent. And Matt deals with the agent, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So we have to go get an agent. So that's the first thing you get an agent. And then it turns out when you sort of pitch, your agent gets you into a publisher, if they like your book, to have a a meeting where your publisher would listen to your book idea. Mm -hmm. And if you're really lucky, then the editors will be there, or your editor will be there. Someone that's thinking, maybe I like this book, right? I'm not sure, Matt, exactly how that comes around, but you end up in the room. And then here's the deal people don't know. They think the publishing house is like making the decision, but no, Matt's making the decision. What do I want to do? That's how it works. So Lisa, she works for Matt. All these people who are running Harper, they all Everybody work for works Matt. for Matt. That's how I see And it. so let's listen Suddenly to the voice of Matt. Suddenly my job has gotten much, much bigger here, so. Um, <laughs> and we're hoping well, Matt doesn't get fired as a result <laughs> of this sort of yeah. weird walk through publishing. Yeah, well, what I will tell you is that a lot of really great well wishes are coming in from the Facebook comments. Um, one thing, you know, here, uh, Dodie writes, you can feel the pride you have for your daughter, Phil. So happy for you, Danielle. I, one of the things that I was I was thinking about that I'm curious, you obviously were with her, Phil, through all of her years of not investing and not being. <laughs> was I so, ever. so what does it feel like to finally, you know, not just see this book and know that it's the end of this incredible journey, but also just here, let me show seen you her that. go through let me, everything. Let me just show you how this feels, okay? From a father's point of view. To know that his daughter can invest for the rest of her life. She's going to be financially secure. No question about it. Here's how it feels. Oh, thank God. <laughs> thank God. That's what it feels like when she turned the corner and started to really get this, this concept that this is doable. And I'll tell you, man, it's a, it's a big, big deal. Um, by the way, I just have probably... Dad just banged I'm, his head against the book. I, have, on I the forgot table I have makeup on because we're now in the light. <laughs> I just splattered the cover of my book. I wasn't going to say my anything. Face. I was going to. I was going to let that one slide. That is really awful. I I just messed up one of our books. <laughs> okay, sorry. So Matt, I hope that answers your question. This is a a wish come true. It's a father's dream. It's any parent's dream that their children will be able to take care of themselves in a world that's constantly changing this world is is i mean you can't depend on a job to last 40 years like in my father's generation 
you have to be able to move job to job. You have to be able to shift sideways. You have to, you're gonna, people wanna change careers. They wanna pursue their dreams. And all of that can be very disrupting to a, you know, a financial plan, mm. right? So to be able to take that off the board, to be able to say, all right, we're not gonna have to worry about a plug in the 401k forever. We're gonna just be able to go out and invest in a coherent way and be able to have a great rate of return. And that's gonna solve the financial issue down the road. That means I can do what I want. That's what a parent wants for a kid, Matt. That's what we all want. And so I'm so happy, honey, that you did this. It's great. Thank you. I've got to add that I don't feel like our investing journey is over. I mean, true. yes, the book is written. The book is out. That part is check off the list, which feels great. But the investing part's going to go on forever. The investing part and goes on forever. I think we'll forever. always talk about it. I mean, we've still got, we've still got this podcast yep. where we're going to keep talking but, but about it. But even, I mean, you're, to your point, the the people that invest the way I do, who I know of anyway, never stop investing. I mean, it is, it becomes an avocation, it becomes a habit, it becomes a, a passion, a practice. A, pra a practice in your terms, which is the best way to think of it, of any, any that I've ever heard of. Danielle kind of coined the idea that this is a practice. And I've never heard that done before with investing. So now you guys have it as a result of this book to think in terms of a practice, which is so good because it means you're never perfect. You never, in, you never expect that from yourself. It's always a journey. And the journey is the, is the, is the goal. Is the, goal. Yeah. the journey is the, and that's why, you know, Charlie Munger's 95 years old and he's still on that journey. Totally. He hasn't bought a stock in two years. Now this guy doesn't even buy green bananas, all right? So to wait patiently in cash when you're 93 is implementing the discipline. That's how it works, right? And Charlie's continuing to do that. Walter Schloss, who's an advocate, mm. just recently died at 96, stopped running his fund at 96 and one week before he died. He stopped running his fund one week before he before died? Before he died at age 96. He stopped running his fund, oh wasn't gosh. feeling that well, and he turned it over formally to his son, who finally took over the family business at age 73. Whoa. Yeah. That's so, like Prince Charles waiting <laughs> in the wings forever. It just tells you when you get onto this, you will do this your whole life, which means you and I will do this our whole lives, which means, oh, honey, we get to do this all the time. <laughs> That's great. totally going to be you, though. You're going to be like a week before you die. You're oh, going to yeah. be like, well... Think I've done okay. Yeah, done all right. And then you're gonna go drive your car off a cliff or something. <laughs> Accidentally. <laughs> Accidentally. Exactly. <laughs> Fall off my polo horse at 96. Yeah. So this is, I tell you, you guys, I think you're you're really fortunate that this book exists. There's no book like it about investing that I've ever read anytime, any place, ever. I think it, that's true. It's dealing with the thing that I didn't even know existed, which prevents most people from doing investing of their own. And I'm not talking about Investing as in hand your money over to a fund manager, put it in a robo-advisor, stick it in your 401k. That's not investing. I mean, let's get real. Investing is buying something you know the value of, you understand it, mm -hmm. like buying the house next door and renting it out, right? That's investing. Th this other stuff is just putting your money and hoping it works out. So true investing is a way of getting very high returns with low risk. And it involves a little work on your part. Not a lot of work, but a little bit of work. Well, it's work, but it's rewarding work. I mean, I wouldn't be encouraging people to do it unless it was really 
really rewarding, really a good part of your life. Lots of things take a little work, take a little yeah, time. And true. You get in, you get out of it what you put into it. So, and as we go along, we'll continue to talk about this. But I, I got to tell you, we're on today has been like a bit of a magic day, right? We got to go take pictures of the book on the shelf together. That was great. Yeah. We'll get those up on the page. Yeah. And we got to go on a little bit of an Alice in Wonderland journey into the uh, bowels the, of the New York the Stock Exchange. The bowels of the New York Stock Exchange. We totally did an interview today, you guys, on Cheddar TV from the floor of the New York Stock Exchange, which was nuts. Like, it's just, the you're just there. It just happened. It, but it didn't just you happen. You walk in. It didn't just happen. Harper Collins, no, phenomenal. Just, <laughs> okay, I'm going to mispronounce her name. Lauren. G Amelia, how do you say? G Lauren Janik. Janik. Spelled J E W S K I L E M S T. You should all email her right now. Yeah, um, absolutely. No, email she's her. incredible. She's such. She's just amazing. She's a yeah. publicist, and she um, just made that happen. Which and was she great. totally made it happen. Yeah, it definitely did not just happen. Right. <laughs> um, but I felt like it just happened that we walked into this like underground security area. And then up oh, wait. these like rickety. First, the rickety... guards out on the street. Explain, because well, yeah. it's super protected. This place. Oh, okay. Right? Is that people don't know about that? No, they don't know. You have to go to the blue tent. You go through one set of guards, and you go to another set of guards. Yeah, man. Then you go through security. Then you go through the thing where you put your money through the. Th you know, your cell phone goes through security, yeah. and then you can come out the other side, They're and then you're in the around. bowels of the New York Stock Exchange. Yeah, and then you go up these like rickety stairs that have <laughs> paint peeling off of it. And then all of a sudden you're like on the floor, on the floor that you see in the background of CNBC and Cheddar TV and all the other um, outlets that broadcast straight from the floor. And that's, that's it. And it's, it's what you think it would be, which is so different than coming into New York City. If you've never been here, coming into New York City is absolutely not what you think it would be. Really? You think you're coming to Oz right, the Emerald okay. City, and you drive in and there's this holes all over the road and you don't even know you're actually in the city and then there's some crappy apartment buildings and then you sort of stagger through the road and it's all just a mess. And at some point in time, you actually end up where there are skyscrapers and you can see them. All right. That's my impression of coming to New York City. <laughs> so you know, I've, got a, I've got a question here for you guys <laughs> from Katie. Um, if you could add something to the book, what would it be? Oh, Katie. Oh, Katie. Jeez, man. God. Is that one of those just questions spent, you just sit around for an hour thinking about? We just spent like, two hey, years gonna, on this thing. I'm going to think of something here that's going to stump these guys. We put it all in, Dad. I, yeah, this is a little bit like we left it all on the floor here. You yeah. Know? It's pretty much everything. By the way, we debated taking stuff out that's actually in. That's true. <laughs> that's <laughs> true. We? Yes, we did. Yes. <laughs> we thought real seriously about, hmm. This uh, personal stuff is getting a little dicey here. And yeah, and not, was, uh, not that it's like dicey, but it's just Well, it's because you're the one issuing out the punishment. Personal. So we talked, we talked a lot about our relationship and my experience with money as a kid. And my experience with money as a kid had to do with my dad and my mom, of course, but particularly you because you're the one that I was writing the book with. Yeah, not so, to preempt the book. Not to preempt the book. Right. What does that mean? Well, we're not going to tell the story. Okay. Mostly because I just don't think I can bear it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but the great thing about, first of all, learning the investing practice together and then secondly, writing the book together was that we had to talk about stuff. 
that we had never talked about. Right. And well, let me give these guys a clue, okay? Okay. That, that Danielle's mom and I got divorced when she was 11. And that's really where a lot of this emotion comes yeah. from that we talk about in the book. Things happen to kids that you don't know as a parent. You don't know what your child is going through. And they're, in my case, my kids put on this very brave front and everything was fine. I had no idea the depth of emotion that was going on there, even during it or afterwards, that sticks around and it doesn't go away. And I think it's true. I mean, it was so hard for me to go through, to be totally honest, to go through this experience of dredging that stuff up. Yeah. But I think it was so important and I'm glad in a really like sick way that it happened because in a really twisted sick yeah, way. Yeah. But I'm but I'm glad that it happened because so many people have some experience like that and no one's talking about it because it's painful and it's uncomfortable and it's just not fun. And what's shocking so, so is so we avoid it and it's completely natural to avoid it. It's of natural to avoid do. it, but it's shocking how much those experiences color your perception of money i mean in her case because i'm is. an investor of yeah. money and investing yeah. right yeah that and for a lot of other people it's it's just straight up money and we money. all as kids have some experience with money some way all of us we're all taught about money in some certain way by our parents or the people who raised us or the people around us and we don't realize that we don't have any perspective on that until we get older. Mm -hmm. And then once you get older, even then it's sometimes hard to think back and really realize kind of like what happened and what shaped how you're feeling. I mean, I mean, on hindsight, you know, I should have, as a dad, I should have realized I have a really smart daughter who will not learn to invest. I should realize there's something going on there because this is what I do, right? I mean, this is what I do. And she's I like, you, I don't mm -mm. know if you should have, I don't know about that. I think it's just lots of people avoid financial stuff and investing and there's no But we're know, just direct... making the point that there's a reason that people avoid financial yeah. stuff and investing. Yeah, but I'm just saying I'm not sure you should have had some like some epiphany particular there. epiphany. Yeah, yeah exactly. maybe not. But on hindsight I should have. On hindsight it was a clue. Maybe. No, yeah. it's a clue. It was a clue that there was this depth of emotion down in there that was connected in some way or another to me to the divorce to the really the bad money problems I put you through while we were w working it out that's what you can call two lawyers going at it right two lawyers yeah like legal people oh I thought you meant us no her lawyer my <laughs> lawyer and going to war and then all of a sudden you get kids that are casualty of a war yeah and that's what happened and then once the war was over Ta-da! You know, hey, we're all back, right? Everything's good. Woo! -hoo! And and you put on a happy face, and your sister did too, and off we went. And there was this underlying wound. Yeah, that's a big deal. And a lot of us have it. I mean, I have a good friend who I was telling her this story, um, probably six months ago, and she said to me, "Oh yeah, you know," I said, "You know something about like how we all grow up with a certain perspective on money," and she said, "Oh yeah, my parents would just take money from me." all the time and I thought that that was completely normal and I was like oh my god that's crazy like she said she would never leave a dollar bill on the dresser because it would be gone in the morning mm. and she just thought that parents took money from kids and like that's kind of how the family dynamic worked for everybody mm. and it wasn't until she was really in college that she figured out that other people had had a different experience than that and now she's married to a guy who like 
completely had the opposite experience. Like, it's just, like, super open with his money where she, like, saves her money. And they now have to deal with that in their marriage. And so it causes... So he's, he puts money on the dresser and hopes she steals it. Um, yeah, that's exactly what From happens. Yeah. I'll take things literally. There you go. <laughs> so, go ahead. So, so one thing I wanted to mention to you here, I got a comment here from Claudia. Danielle, doing the podcast with your dad was great for all of us that wanted to ask the beginner questions that you asked. Can you talk about what it was like when you first started asking those questions to him? I mean, you write about it in the book some, but I think it'd be good to share that story with some of the viewers. That's a great question. When I first started the podcast, the biggest difficulty for me was forming questions, which sounds weird because I had all the questions, but I didn't even know enough to know what to ask. And I think that that is something a lot of people have gone through with their financial advisors or even just with friends who are giving financial advice. Like we don't have a clue what the words are. We don't know the language. We just know that we know nothing and we don't know how to even drill a hole into what we don't know. So that was that was really hard to be able to even remotely ask questions. And I remember the first couple episodes we recorded, I was just sort of, and you guys, I know, I know so many of you have gone back and listened to the first episodes, like all the way through. I was just trying to go, what can I ask next? Cause I didn't really totally get everything he just said. So I think I'm just gonna ask him about that. And I figured at some point, like I would sort of catch on. Well, and, and I think I did. Right off the bat, you got brave about insisting that you understand. And I think that's what has made the podcast so popular is that you really insist on understanding stuff and when you're insisting on understanding it, there's a there's like literally thousands of people out there who are asking the same question in their heads as I'm explaining something. So the, the, the thing that happens when you have been around something for as long as I have, 35 years of investing, is the way of thinking about it is just kind of automatic. And it happens in everything. It happens when you ask uh, a, a, an Olympic level rider. Horseback how, rider. Horseback rider. How are you telling the horse what to do? And they, I've had them tell me, literally, they don't know. They have gone to that level of mastery where they don't even think about it anymore. And I mean, I'm still thinking about it, obviously, and I think I'm explaining it coherently. But if I were to tell you, if you were to start off investing with me and I said, well, look, here's the thing. We're just gonna look at the ROE. We're gonna look at owner earnings. Owner earnings is pretty simple. You just take net income, you subtract out depreciation and amortization, knock off the changes in payables and receivables, and then don't forget to do maintenance capex, which is probably a, a, a footnote. Knock that all off, you end up with owner earnings. It's really simple. Multiply by 10, that'll tell you what to pay for it. <laughs> Come on, that would work, right? You all got that? That was easy. That's you know simple. what, though? I got that. That's the crazy thing is now you got that, right? And so I was sort of going at that that way, thinking I'm being coherent, and it's just like, boom, yeah. right? And yeah. then what what's so great about you is you've got the confidence to ask the questions that are hard to ask. And that's, I think, what's made it so good. I guess so. That's what makes the book so dang good, is that you've done that in the book over and over and insisted. And in the process of writing this book, the clarity around some of these more complicated concepts is just become so crystal clear. Yeah. I mean, you guys, there's, uh, this is the best book I think, uh, certainly the best book I've ever been involved with about investing. 
which is saying something because I've got two number one New York Times bestsellers. And this is better than those. And it's easier to understand by far. And more to the point is that it is a complete picture that is accessible by anybody. These other books were written for people who are interested in investing. Yeah. This book They're is written for people books. who don't want to be investing, yeah. but have to. Yeah. That's what this is about. There's yeah. a question here from Anthony, which is sort of goes along with what we're talking about here. Phil, can you compare or contrast your journey learning to invest and what you struggle with versus what Danielle had difficulties with? Yeah. Okay, sure. That's a really interesting question because Danielle's difficulties were, were around... <clears throat> a couple of things. First, just the fear of doing it, the the wounds of a uh, from a father through a divorce that was a barrier to wanting to learn from him. Those were challenges, and she can go into more detail. For me, when I started, I was uh, encouraged to come an apprentice to a really good investor, and I had no interest in investing whatsoever. I had no money, never been interested in investing. Nobody in my family had ever had any money. And I went through that door entirely because there was no other door open. That was the door that was open. That was it. So I sort of reluctantly went through that door. And I kind of caught on to it relatively quickly that I could do this. And I spent a year in that apprenticeship and then went on my own. And so here's here's the, the thing that was harder for me in my journey um, was that the level of coherence around this that's in this book right here is a result of 35 years and three years or two and a half years of podcasts with a very smart woman <laughs> distilling this down. Before that, going all the way back, you know, 35 years ago, there were some basic concepts that have followed through from Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger for many years. But as you know, in the podcast, we talk about those basic concepts. Understand the business. It's got a moat. The management's got integrity. And, you know, get it on, on, on sale. What else are you going to talk about the rest of the semester? Well, I'm wandering out the door with these basic concepts and having to actually implement them and making the mistakes that can come with implementing them hmm. without a lot of experience. Right? So from Charlie's so point of view... No sweat. When you first started, did you find them to be simple and easy, or did you have to grapple with them at all? No, I, I found them to be. You didn't have that those them put in that. No, lovely, they weren't in that like, nice clean nice, way. Nice clean order. So the concepts were pretty simple and easy in the sense that concepts about riding a horse are simple and easy to someone who doesn't ride. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh yeah, I just get up there and hey, you just you don't know what can happen. You have no idea what can happen if a horse gets stung by a bee or whatever, right? Because yeah. you're not going through any of those experiences. Everything is kind of cleanly packaged for you. You climb up and you ride your little horse and everything's fine. Yeah. But man, what happens if it isn't fine? What happens then? You and so fall you, off. You fall off or you, you have to deal with it. I remember once um, so I was building this. Do you feel this. like you went through that process? Oh. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you get into an investment and then all of a sudden you realize, oh my gosh, that, I'm really all in on this and this has to work out, right? So you end up doing a lot of things you wouldn't have done. I actually ended up getting sent to Harvard Business School <laughs> to learn how to run a company because one of the companies I was invested in so deeply fired the CEO. I was the only guy on the board that didn't have a real job and they said, you got it. It's your job. You got to be the CEO. And they called up Harvard and put me into their small corporate management program. It's like a summer program. Summer thing. Like, like a three, short program. Three three-week chunks. 
right? I made it through the first three weeks. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I didn't go back. What do you mean? They they were like, no, Phil, you can't come back? No, no, they're, they're basically, here, give us your money. You can come back and sit in the back. You can <laughs> sit in the back expelled? with George Bush snorting cocaine all you want. Go back there. You know, no, they, they could have cared less. If I mean, they would have loved to have our money, right? But I wasn't getting anything out of it. I, oh, I wasn't. I see. I wasn't at that it level. It wasn't. It wasn't. They weren't at my level. I'm gonna put it like that. Harvard was not at my level. I like That's that. That's how I looked at I it. I like that. Yeah. 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 You were like, "What else are we gonna do for the rest of the semester, guys?" Pretty much. I got this. What yeah. else is there? Yeah. You know, like the marketing guys are like, "Hey, all beer tastes the same." I'm like, "No, it doesn't." <laughs> Beer tastes different. <laughs> They're like, get the heck out. That's, that's why I like Corona. It's not because your marketing campaign. It's different. And they're like, yeah, get out. So I went back and we made it a success in spite of my limitations and took that company public, which was great. But that stuff happened in those early days. And what this book does is it keeps that from happening to you. That's the whole idea of using and leveraging on somebody else's deep experience. Yeah. So we're standing on shoulders of really, really giant people here. We're standing on Ben Graham's shoulders from the 30s and 40s, then Warren Buffett, Charlie Munger, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 10s, and guys like Manesh Prabhat. And then Prabhat. I'm standing on your shoulders. And you're standing on my shoulders. And then now you guys are standing on her shoulders. Ooh, that's a weird thought. You didn't think about that, did you? No. Yeah. This group of people reading this book, using this as a guideline, are on your shoulders. Because this thing is written by you. It's first person you. And it is full of the answers to the questions that you have. Yeah. Not the questions I had. So that's that makes that's it a true. whole different world. That's I think true. that's a really nice place to leave it, guys. Um, the, the comments are just, you know, everyone's so excited for the on sale day today. Uh, Any final words you guys want to say? Thank you to all of you for buying the book, for listening to us, for going on this journey with us. Yep. It's extraordinary yep. what we've done in a couple of years. We thank you all. We thank Matt. We thank the whole team, Lisa. Um, here at HarperCollins for all the work you've done. We got the benefit of that today and to live the dream. Yeah. Father and daughter going out into, into all of these interviews has been amazing all day long. And this is kind of wrapping it up. This is our last one for the day of the big day that will stand out in our lives forever, in our lives, and yeah. the day that we got to release this book. So we're thrilled, and um, we hope that the rest of the world is, becomes as thrilled about this as we are. And uh, we just appreciate y'all so much here at Harper for, for getting this book out the door. And to all of you watching and listening. And we're going to be back tomorrow for a special bonus podcast just to celebrate this amazing book week. And we're going to be talking about the market, which is I know is what you all want to know about because it's going nuts. Everywhere today we were talking yeah. about Facebook, what's going on with Facebook, and then what's going on with the market. So we have some very strong views about both of those. We'll share those with you tomorrow. So we'll be back tomorrow. Check our social media because I actually don't remember what time it's supposed to be on. So or is it seven in the afternoon, yeah, roughly like, you know, 3.30 yeah, yeah, or, or at 10. Exactly. <laughs> Do you guys know? One o'clock? Oh, it's oh, at one, one o'clock. Yeah, that's what I said. That's what? One o'clock yes. p.m. Eastern. One p.m. Eastern. Yeah, yeah. Tomorrow, so we'll see you Wednesday. There. And uh, I guess that's it. Time to go play, huh? All right. All right, cool. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening to Invested. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Head over to investedpodcast.com for our show notes and a special offer on how the podcast listeners can attend my three-day transformational investing workshop for free where we just teach the heck out of you for three straight days. We don't sell anything and we get you a scholarship to come to it for free. So come on over there and take a look at that. And by the way, 
as our lawyers want me to say. Everything discussed on this podcast is either my opinion or Danielle's opinion, my opinion's right, and is not to be taken as investing advice because I am not your investment advisor, nor have I considered your personal situation as your fiduciary. So this podcast is just for your entertainment and education only, and I hope you enjoyed it. So until next time, time to go play.